Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is on the air. Your host, Nathan Wilson, with Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch, Georgia, is excited about providing information every gardener and non-gardener, homeowner, and apartment dweller can use. From vegetables to containers and compost to pruning shears, Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is here for you. Now here's Nathan. Well, good morning, gang, and welcome to New Southern Garden. Of course, I'm your gardening pal, Nathan Wilson, and as always, so glad and delighted that you've decided to join us to talk all things green and growing and gardening. And yes, there'll be talks about mulch and compost, but that's the stuff that gardening is made of. Healthy plants come from all that rotten material. So today, you know, we look outside, leaves are on the ground, leaves are falling. We're at that point where, of course, you can stand for just a few moments and watch multiple leaves gracefully flittering to the earth. And, of course, we wake up in the mornings and we see a nice frost all over our plants and lawn spaces. And it's a change. It is a change in the seasons. We like to talk about the changes in the seasons because that gives you opportunities to change some things in your own landscape. And, of course, we know that we're in that time, the beginning of the time, the best time to plant. So there's a lot of things we can be doing this season, even though we've got to bundle up, maybe. I promise you, if you, if, if you bundle up and start digging a hole, you'll soon start shedding those layers because you'll build up that your internal temperature. It's good exercise. Uh, but with the change in the weather, with the change in the season, now's a good time to start thinking about winter. What happens when we walk through our gardens in the wintertime? What are we looking at? What are we seeing? Are we seeing unity in the landscape? Does it seem maybe patchwork, piecemealed together? Well, today I want to talk about bringing together, bringing unity into your garden, into your landscape, uh, and a cohesiveness, and using a design principle that's quite simple and basic to think about. But gardens should look good, not just when the leaves are on the trees. Gardens should look good. Your landscape should look good all year long. And winter is always that hard, troublesome time to try to find things that give you some kind of interest and intrigue. And this is when we've really got to get creative. This is when we really have got to think about what we're going to plant, where we're going to place it, and, and maybe structures that we might build or hardscapes that we might incorporate into our landscape design. Because it's wintertime when uh, it's most depressive. It's most depressive in the winter. But if we make smart design choices in our landscapes and in our garden spaces, then we will have something beautiful all year long. We've got to keep winter in mind. And winter is a great time to see what we call the structure of the landscape. Think of it this way. Inside your house, you've got uh, flooring, whether it's hardwoods of some kind, floating floors, carpeting. You've got paint on the walls and trim around the doors and windows. But the structure is inside of all that pretty stuff. The structure is behind 
the wallpaper. And we may think of our plants that with their foliage and flowers as the wallpaper, but what is the structure? If we were to peel away all of the prettiness, what is the structure of the landscape? What is the structure of your garden, the architectural portion of, uh, of, of the design you have going on? And so winter is an opportunity to really pinpoint that structure because winter tends to peel away the wallpaper. We drop our leaves and drop our uh, flowers on many plants that they don't do much in the wintertime. And we can actually see the garden for what it is, taking away all the stuff that is most attractive to us in the spring and summer months. And so with this simple design, it's a three-step uh, three program, if you will, I encourage you after today uh, to go out into your landscape and think about these three steps, these three components, uh, and see how you might be u- utilizing your space best for each component. Um, the idea, of course, is that there, uh, there are layers. There are layers in the garden. Layers in the garden. There's the ground layer. Uh, we were going to call the earth, if you will. That's the earth layer. Things that creep and crawl and grow low to the ground. But then there's the human layer. The human layer may be from ground up to six feet, eight feet tall. Things that we don't have to bend over, uh, uh, look down at. Things that we can look straight into. And that's the human layer. And the third component is the sky layer. That's sort of the ceiling of your garden, if you will. So if we compare, let's go back to the, the house analogy. If we think of the earth layer, that would be like the carpeting and the rugs and the hardwood floors and things that are on our feet or, 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 or maybe certain uh, chairs even, you know, low stools, stuff that you may decorate your home with that's low to the ground. And then as you move upwards, well, the pretty wallpaper, the paint on the walls, that's the human layer, things we can look directly at, mirrors on the wall, uh, photographs and paintings that you may decorate with, uh, lamps, you know, the tall lamps, floor lamps, is that what they call them? Uh, but things that are in that layer. And then, of course, the roof, the ceiling, that's the sky layer, the things that are above. You know, you may consider some draperies or things that run along the top of the, uh, of the windows. Of course, the, some, you may have a painted ceiling of some color. You may have some texture on your ceiling. You may have ceiling fans and light fixtures. That is the sky layer out in the landscape. So it's not much different than designing a home, this designing a landscape. We have to think about finishing the floor, building up the walls, and of course, having something attractive that leads our eye uh, to the sky and sort of encloses us into this garden space. So those are the three areas that we're going to talk about. And all along the way, if you have a, uh, well, let's say if you have a small space, if you have a small garden, you, you will have to think about maybe just a few of these structural elements, things on the ground, things in the human layer, and things in the sky layer. But if you're on a larger property, say you have some acreage, maybe even one acre might be considered large enough. It's definitely considered large when you compare it to the average size of a landscape, which is just a fraction of an acre nowadays. But if you have a larger property, it sort of helps to create what we might call vignettes, small little mini gardens. Maybe it's just a, 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 a 
a, a large bed uh, with turf between another large bed with a hedge connecting the two or however uh, your space, whatever your space may need. But creating these mini gardens on a large property helps to, to split up the planting and helps to, well, split up the work too. And no matter the size of your landscape, no matter how big or how small, trying to create these little garden vignettes is going to be quite essential. You may need some focal points. Uh, you may need a specimen tree or shrub. Uh, some focal points, of course, things as simple as a bench. And benches are functional and, uh, well, what am I looking for? And restful, I guess. You, you, a bench is welcoming to sit down and enjoy the garden. Maybe it could be some of these um, unique features or um, focal points might be a, a a man-made structure other than a bench like an urn, uh, maybe a statuary of some kind, maybe a, a small water feature. Uh, water features can be as big or as small as you like. A water feature could be a simple bowl with a small uh, pump bubbling water to the top. And then, of course, it could be even more simple as just a bird bath. A bird bath, which of course can be beautiful if you plant around it and incorporate it into a design, but a bird bath doesn't have to just be stuck in the middle of a lawn or stuck in the middle of a bed. Uh, and then of course, it's functional because it's great to attract the wildlife. So the simple principle here, again, what we're going to be talking about today is looking for that those three distinct layers in the landscape, earth, man, and sky. The earth being the lowest of your plantings, lowest of your attractions, the mid layer being about the height of a person, uh, which is really going to help surround us because, you know, average height of a person, five, six feet tall, surround us at that layer. And then, of course, we'll have planting above us or some kind of structure above us in the garden. And that is going to be the sky layer. What is it that grows tall or what is it that is, has been built that is tall that sort of helps to give us a ceiling above our heads? Now, with all of these things in mind, we're going to talk both about plant material to fill up these layers. And of course, we're going to talk about some structures, some maybe man-made structures or earthen structures, rocks, stones, stuff like that. Uh, but regardless, the idea today is that now that the leaves on the trees are falling and we won't be distracted by the prettiness, if you will, of the landscape with the flowers and leaves and foliage, we can actually look at the structure, the bones of the garden. You know, I've, we've watched, me and my wife have watched a lot of home improvement shows because, of course, we uh, bought a place a few years back. And in those home improvement shows, they always stress, you know, this house doesn't look pretty, but it's got good bones, right? It's got good bones. And I think that that same concept can be helpful to you and I in our landscapes. If we have good bones, good architecture, good structural things in the landscape, then Adding the flowers will be a cinch because the structure is already there. Well, let's start right on the earth in that ground layer, that earth layer. And this is the lowest layer of your landscape. And we need structure in the earth or ground layer. Now, what could that layer be made of? Of course, there are things like mulch and turf. But when we're designing a lawn, or sorry, when we're designing a landscape, turf grass 
walkways, um, mulch on the ground, those are all considered negative space or void space. There's really nothing there as far as plant material goes. Even though turf grass is made of plants, it is essentially a void for planting space. And so what do we do to add some structure to these void or empty areas? Well, of course, things like low dwarf shrubs fill this space, as do annuals and perennials. And of course, maybe the often overlooked but definitely critical evergreen ground covers. These all will help provide structure. They will help to provide um, mass and groupings of plants in the landscape. That all will add interest. If you think of a bed, think of a garden bed with no plants in it. It's a beautiful garden bed. It's been well mulched. There's no weeds in it. It looks nice. But the mulch is not very attractive. Like I said earlier, it's just a negative, empty space. So when we start using uh, shrubbery and annuals and perennials and those evergreen uh, or non-evergreen ground covers, for that matter, that starts to provide interest and intrigue. Now, the earth level, this earth level, this ground layer we're talking about, it really anchors the garden. And Perhaps it even helps to outline the garden's shape. Think about that low level, that bed level. Do you have straight lines for your bed? Do you have curved lines for your bed? Those lines, the shape of the bed is also that, that let me back up, the shape of the bed itself is providing some kind of structure. And you can clearly see the edges of beds in the wintertime when all of the plants have lost their leaves. So you can redefine those edges, redefine those bedlines if you need to. So the best earth-level elements provide winter interest. They definitely do. See, these low-growing evergreen shrubs are a great idea. Evergreen things, of course, provide interest all winter long. So using that or using evergreen ground covers is going to provide that winter interest. But um, we can also think about spiky things. Now let's get a little creative here. In that low-level planting, maybe we have ornamental grasses. Now most ornamental grasses, they maybe have good fall color, but they eventually drop their leaves. And why would that be great for winter interest? Well, because many of these leaves stay a bronze or coppery color, uh, brown color, even tan color, all winter long. And so having some spiky grass things or the evergreen yucca, there's a great yucca plant called Color Guard, and it provides a variety of color, yellows and different shades of, red, of green all year long. So think about using these spiky plants. When we get back, we're going to go from the ground layer and into the human layer. Hang on tight. Hey gang, do you sometimes feel like you are riding a lonely trail while gardening, all alone with no one to join in the fun? Well, join the new Southern Garden community today and find peace of mind by sharing your experiences, whether they be poor ones or successful ones. New Southern Garden is on Facebook and Instagram, so I'd love for you to friend, follow, like, share whatever it is we're doing these days. Also, you can check out our website at NewSouthernGarden.com. 
where you can not only find every episode of the show ever, but you can also send us a question via our Contact Us page. It's never fun gardening alone, so get social with the New Southern Garden family and let's grow well. So gang, today on New Southern Garden, we are talking about really utilizing this time of year as we go and transition, I don't know, is it fall, is it winter? <laughs> We've had cold temperature, of course. Uh, you know, it's that strange time of year, but leaves on the trees are falling. We're looking at the beginning of naked plants. And when the leaves on the trees have fallen, that's the best time to really take a big view of the kind of structure that your garden has or the kind of structure your garden is without. And so using this time of year wisely, making sure you've got some critical areas covered and some, some, uh, some, some ground layer things, some human layer things, and sky layer things uh, as far as structure goes will help the garden in the long term. Make it, of course, look just as beautiful in spring and summer, but it will give you something to look at in the wintertime. And before the break, we were talking about that ground level, the earth layer, if you will, the things that grow low, the things that are shorter than the height of a person, but they are super critical for a good landscape design and intrigue. As a matter of fact, it's probably the things that grow closer to the ground that are going to provide the best winter interest the best winter interest because you know there are some areas before today i've been looking at my own landscape and i think some of these beds that look beautiful in the spring and summer they're almost barren in the winter so one way to counteract that of course is to use some evergreen ground covers some evergreen low-growing shrubs on that earth layer and of course before the break we were talking about grasses and spiky plants those add a ton of winter interest even if they're deciduous which means they don't keep their evergreen they don't keep their green color all year uh, many of these grasses are going to keep their leaves there'll be different shades of tan and brown and bronze and whatnot uh, but that in itself provides some winter interest some other things on the ground layer or level that aren't plant related but can relate to plants are going to be stones and rockery maybe you have a simple rock path stepping stone path or it doesn't have to be rock it could be of any material it could be of um, decking it could be of concrete or pavers. Uh, those things, too, are going to provide structure, not just in the winter, but all year long. They're quite permanent. Of course, many of these things could be moved and relocated, but they're hard and rigid. But it's still something that is crawling along the ground, whether it's a stepping stone path or some kind of pathway, is going to provide some kind of interest in the winter and structure. You know, earlier we were talking about how the shape of your bed the line the edge of that bed whether it's straight edges or whether it's rounded and curved and more free-flowing those will provide some kind of structure and maybe even using some edging material whether it's stone or timber of some kind to edge those beds that too will be quite obvious in the wintertime when there are 
fewer leaves to cover it up. Uh, so these things are things we need to talk about and think about as we're looking through our winter landscape to see how we might improve our structure. So all those things are related to that first layer of your garden, the lowest layer we may call the earth layer or the ground level <laughs> layer. And those things need to be thought about and utilized maybe more so than we already are doing. But then there's that mid-layer. To go back to our uh, analogy in the home inside of your house, the mid-layer is probably going to include things that are uh, within eyeshot of a human. Maybe certain pieces of furniture, certain pieces of artwork and mirrors on the wall, trim work around the edges of windows and doors, lamps that, of course, are going to be maybe placed on a table. These are things that we can really relate to because they're closer to us. And the same goes in the garden, in the landscape. These, the man layer, let's call it the man layer or the human layer, that really helps to set the backdrop backdrop of a garden. And it does help to define the edges of a space. Of course, plants and other objects that are in this man layer, the man's domain, the, the human's domain, they can also balance larger trees or maybe buildings uh, that are on the opposite end of a garden, whether it's a shed or some kind of outbuilding. These things are going, these plants are going to be plants that at least get to the height of a human and maybe slightly taller. Now, of course, not many folks want uh, well-defined and trimmed hedges because hedges do take uh, a bit of maintenance. But screens, screens are something that can be considered in this man layer. And what we're talking about here are things that maybe separate our space from our neighbor's space. Of course, screens could be as, as tall as a person, so you don't have to look over into your uh, neighbor's backyard and see their kids playing or maybe a junk pile that your neighbor has, an eyesore, right? So these things need to be at least the height of a human, so it blocks our view. But more than blocking a view, a screen or a hedge is going to also define a space. It may define your space as opposed to someone else's space, but it may also, uh, these hedges and screens, they may also help to define a space within your space. So if you want a private secluded area where you can rest or read or just escape from the day after a hard day is at work, hedges may be a way to do that. Taller plants would be a way to uh, make a very private, intimate area. Or, or maybe you want to have an outdoor dining space that is uh, secluded from the recreational space in your landscape. Of course, uh, our family, we have two kids and we have a playground. And sometimes it's hard to, uh, uh, well, some people say that playgrounds and Play sets are sort of an eyesore in the landscape. Well, I don't think they're an eyesore because it's, your kids love it, you know. But if we're trying to maybe hide some of those things, the, the fun part of the landscape where we're going to play and run around, then using some hedges, using some shrubs to block that view is going to be critical as well. So, of course, the excellent players in this human layer are going to be shrubs that are at least six feet in height, um, especially those since we're talking about creating structure in winter. We want to think about those shrubs that do provide some heightened sense of winter interest. The obvious player for this is going to be 
evergreens. They are strong options too, but we don't want to forget about the deciduous woody shrubs that will provide some interesting architectural uh, or maybe winter color. These things are things that I think we've forgotten about uh, in our modern landscapes. So we think about hedges and and plants that are evergreen. Maybe the arborvitaes, maybe cliera, maybe gardenias. But there are a world of plants that we forget about because they do drop their leaves over winter. But many of these plants can, of course, be quite structural too. One of my first thoughts is forsythia. Forsythia yellowbell, it only blooms for a short period of time in the late winter, early spring, but it does, the. if you think about its winter look, it's completely leafless, doesn't seem too attractive, unless you consider the shape of the plant, the architecture of the plant itself, which is quite a graceful kind of um, arcing habit. It's fountain-like. Now, many times I see forsythia pruned back really hard, and it's got a real rigid, boxy structure. You cut off most of the blooms. I don't see the purpose in pruning forsythia that way when it does provide this graceful arcing branch. And these are suckering plants. They do provide multiple shoots from the base, if you will, along the root system. Uh, So maintenance may be a concern if it's along the edge of a lawn where you can mow those suckers down. That's about all the maintenance you need. But regardless, they fill in a space. Those branches over time are quite dense and full. When we uh, got to our landscape or got to our house in 2020, there was a number of forsythia planted. And I thought, oh, these are just going to be a pain. But you know, the longer that I look at them, winter and and spring and summer alike, I do find that they are quite beautiful. The shape of them over winter is wonderful. Now they are large, robust plants, but there's some new forsythia coming out that stays a bit smaller, maybe for a smaller landscape. But that arcing branch, that fountain look all winter long to me is wonderful. And it provides structure, but it also provides a backdrop for maybe the smaller players that are right up front. Well, gang, when we get back, we'll talk more about the human layer and eventually get to the sky layer. (laughs) See you in a second. Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is on the air. Your host, Nathan Wilson, with Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch, Georgia, is excited about providing information every gardener and non-gardener, homeowner, and apartment dweller can use. From vegetables to containers and compost to pruning shears, Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is here for you. Now here's Nathan. So, gang, today on New Southern Garden, we are talking about making sure you've got good structure in your landscape and in your garden spaces. Of course, structure is where everything begins, and structure only seems maybe most important when there's no filler. (laughs) So, in the spring and summer, you got plenty of filler. You've got flowers and leaves, but in winter, we have fewer leaves. We have fewer flowers. And so, making sure that our structure is well-designed is going to help make 
any time of the year look good, including winter. Now, before the break, we were talking about the second layer that you've got to consider having some structure. And of course, that is going to be the human layer. Things that are within our eye view that may get up to six feet or so. We were talking about forsythia and how I think that forsythia is a great winter structural piece. Of course, it can make a great loose free-flowing hedge or boundary to a space, and it's a good backdrop. Most of the plants that you're going to find in this layer are going to be considered backdrop plants. So other than the arcing branches of forsythia, there are some other characteristics to look for when you incorporate plants in this layer. And that may include things like the red twig dogwood. Obviously, the red twig dogwood is not an evergreen plant. We're not really talking about evergreens today because that's kind of a no-brainer to add structure and winter interest. But of course, the red twig dogwood is a larger shrub. It has upright stems as opposed to arcing branch stems like on the forsythia. But in the wintertime, as the temperatures get cooler, the wood from the previous year and maybe the one before will turn bright red and stay that color all winter long. So these are things like the red twig dogwood that is going to be in the height of a human for that human layer, but also provide some brilliant color all winter long. And don't forget about, we had an episode a few weeks ago, uh, we did a show on exfoliating bark. So don't forget about exfoliating bark as well. Exfoliating bark, of course, is the, fa- or is the simple uh, characteristic of a plant where the bark starts to peel or flake off, maybe making papery-like uh, protrusions coming off the bark or maybe a blocky colored bark, much like camouflage in a way. There's a plant that is a great native plant in addition to red twig dogwood that's called nine bark. Now nine bark has fabulous foliage, uh, that great yellow fall color, but once it drops it reveals that peeling bark and it maintains these You could call them gorgeous seed heads, if you like, all winter long or for most of winter. So that plant, nine bark, is a large plant. It's definitely going to be in that human layer, at least six foot tall. But it can make a clear distinction between spaces and provide a backdrop for some of the ground layer plants that you plant in front of it. So think about that human layer. It is definitely a place where we will be uh, relating to as we walk through a garden because everything will be at our height or maybe just slightly shorter. So that's a good place to add some kind of, uh, of, of feature that, that may be made of stone that's tall, maybe some kind of statuary if you're into that kind of thing. Um, a bird bath we mentioned earlier, that would probably be considered in the human layer. Uh, or, or, or maybe there's some other kind of feature, garden art, that you want to add. It's not just about the plants, of course. There are things that uh, don't grow that we have to just install in place uh, that can be considered a part of the structure of that um, of that human layer. So, of course, we've got the ground layer plants, we've got the mid layer, and now let's talk about the sky layer. This is quite a critical layer because without tall things that reach to the sky or give us a little bit of shade, things that arc over and protect us down below, 
uh, it looks like we may have distractions without these tall things. We may be distracted by too much expanse of space, or maybe we are looking over into our neighbor's property, you know, things like that. Those kinds of things, things that are upright, provide shade, um, not just plants, but things like arbors and pergolas. We'll try to get to those later. But the sky layer is the ceiling of your garden or the top of your garden. Now, this visual cue is going to keep the garden observer, like I said, focused in the garden space. Our gaze may be wandering into another landscape or into another direction without some of these ceiling plants, sky layer things. Now, smaller trees, sometimes you call them patio trees maybe, but smaller trees and small ornamental trees, they work well, uh, particularly in small spaces. Things like the star magnolias or dogwoods or red buds, these are going to be the perfect height and they can be pruned to maybe even arc over your garden just a bit, kind of acting like the top of a picture frame. You know, if you think about a picture that's in a frame, um, our eyes are drawn to the picture, not just because it's a pretty picture, but because of the frame itself, the shape of the frame with those strict lines at the top and along the sides. You can use these taller plants or trees, uh, shrubs even, to frame a certain garden picture. And if you do this creatively, you can have the bottom level of the frame with your ground layer, the side layer, if you will, thinking about a picture frame, the sides with your shrubs, and then the top uh, of some branches of the ceiling layer, kind of providing a full frame effect. And if we think about the garden as a work of art, then these are some critical components that need to be present. So with all that being said, uh, a landscape garden, maybe over an acre or two, would look bottom heavy if the only element in the sky was one of these trees. If that's the only thing present in the sky, then it will look like everything is on the ground layer. So look for trees that are in scale with your garden. This is really important because I know not everybody has a large garden and not everybody has a small garden. So scale, this is when we start bringing bigger plants into the picture, that's when scale becomes most important. And scale is simply making sure that the size of the plant makes sense with the size of the place. So having one medium-sized tree in a large space doesn't make sense. But having maybe several large trees in a large space would. But on the opposite end, having very large plants, very large trees, if you will, in a small space will seem too crowded. It will be claustrophobic. You may not have any uh, sunshine with a tall canopy up in the sky. And so be sure that whether you are on a small lot or a large lot, you're considering scale and also considering that the plants you bring in, the trees you bring in, provide a strong architectural feel. Now, there are plenty of ways to get this architectural feel. Um, of course, uh, broad 
uh, reaching canopies like on oaks and maples, some of the largest trees you might consider, uh, tulip poplars and uh, uh, maybe sycamore trees. These things are going to have that very tall, very upright. And of course, they may be too overwhelming for small spaces. But then, of course, you can have plants that have a pyramidal shape like the arborvitaes and, of course, uh, junipers and cryptomerias. These trees, the largest, of the groups, they will give you a broad base of a plant and uh, sloping upwards to a shallow tip, much like a pyramid. Those will provide a different kind of architectural feel than maybe the classic oak and maples with their broad canopies and uh, limbed up trunks. But then what about some other plants that get tall and narrow? Some trees are what we call fastigiate forms, and fastigiate just means narrow but tall, very slender. And of course, the first plant that probably comes to your mind is Italian cypress, which of course Italian cypress doesn't do so well in our humid climate, doesn't mind the heat, but it does suffer from some disease in our humidity. There are some other selections, things like a sky pencil holly that is very narrow but quite tall. And then there are some junipers like the skyrocket junipers. And one plant that has really started to make an impression on me, I'm incorporating it into my space for that tall and slender, narrow uh, planting is the podocarpus. Podocarpus is a plant that looks a lot like the yew plant. And many people use yew around this country and uh, over in Europe, but in the South, yews aren't maybe the best plant. But podocarpus grows here all the way down into Florida. We saw a lot of podocarpus on our travels this summer when we were at St. Augustine, and they have it used quite rigid and formally. Uh, but having that upright and narrow form may be another good way to add that strong architectural feel. Oh, the other great benefit about podocarpus is it is evergreen. So you could have these green columns in your landscape all winter long. And of course, those green columns are going to point your eyes upward and looking at the beautiful blue sky that we tend to get once the gray clouds of winter may pass for a few days. So whether it's evergreen or whether it's a deciduous plant, be sure that it has some kind of strong architectural interest, and all year you will have some intrigue and interest in the sky layer of your garden. So again, in summary of these three critical but simple points, the key to using the earth layer, the man or human layer, and the sky layer is to select plants in each layer that bring some kind of year-round interest but still remain in scale to the space. Let's talk about a few go-to elements, if you will. Uh, six easy-to-incorporate elements that are going to give that garden structure that you may be looking for. First of all, we've already talked about the shape of the beds. A curved foundation bed that directs the eye from the front door along 
along the front of the home to the side yard garden is one simple way to bring some garden structure. Another thing may be to use a specimen tree that's planted in sort of a larger or extended bed that really anchors and identifies the space as that garden vignette, that mini garden space. A lot of times when we create a new garden bed, I do see people rush to fill the ground layer, that earth layer. But we've got to have some vertical interest and using an evergreen conifer uh, or maybe a uh, Japanese maple or uh, even a large shrub like the red twig dogwood. Put it in the corner of the bed, put it at the end of the bed, or maybe use a series of three in the center of the bed to add some structure, add a little height, um, and it will look good all year long. Uh, A third thing to try might be... um, with a well-defined garden bed that has interesting lines. Again, that's sort of concept number one with that curved foundation bed, but still making sure that the edges of your beds are well-defined. In other words, we need to keep the edges of our beds clean and sharp by tending to those edges at least once a year. I find that uh, late winter or any time over winter is a good time to really clean up the edges of beds. And of course, a defined backdrop made up of a fence or shrubs is going to be one uh, instant (laughs) critical uh, structural uh, characteristic of your landscape. And also, some kind of focal point of trees or shrubs uh, with winter color, texture, or form. Looking for something that gives you that instant um, focal point over wintertime. And lastly, we may think about objects. Certain objects, uh, let's see, like urns, we talked about that, certain large pots, uh, maybe a column, uh, or garden gate, something as simple as a garden gate, or an arbor. Uh, those may help to designate a transition from one space to another or designate the center of a space. When we get back from this break, I do want to talk a little bit more about hedges as structure, and hopefully we can get to structures as structures, like pergolas and arbors. So hang on tight, and uh, well, the show's almost over. So uh, we'll see you on the other side of this break. Hey gang, it's Nathan. Thanks so much for listening to the New Southern Garden Podcast. Of course, I love providing you with horticultural information to get you growing and growing well. But sometimes you need more than just information. You need plants. So I'd love for you to join me at Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch, Georgia, where you can find me throughout the week. But you can find more than just me, of course. At Lanier Nursery and Gardens, you can browse through our wide selection of ornamental trees, glorious shrubs, and colorful perennials and annuals. And I want to thank all our listeners who have already made the trek to Lanier Nursery. It's been a pleasure to meet you and hear your gardening stories. We've got a wonderful crew of folks who are just itching to help you grow your best garden ever. So check out LanierNurseryGardens.com for more information and be sure to like us on Facebook and Instagram. Now let's get growing together. So gang, today on New Southern Garden, we've been talking about the structure of your garden, the structure of your landscape, and I think it's critical this time of year to really be examining if you have good garden structure, and you will know if you have good garden structure or not, because you will see in the wintertime if there's anything of interest. 
once most of the leaves on plants have fallen and flowers have faded, we really see if are we left with a barren winterscape or do we have something that's still quite pleasant and enjoyable to look at. And of course, we've talked about the three distinct layers, a simple design principle that can help guide you to achieving that good garden structure. We've got to think about um, interesting things on the ground layer. Uh, Secondly, interesting things in the human layer, which is maybe up to six foot or so above the earth. And then, of course, interesting things in the sky layer, things that are above your head and my head. We can do that with trees. We can do that with uh, certain plant material, but we can also do that with certain structures that I hope to get to in one second. But If we consider, I want to make a few comments about using hedges as structure. A lot of folks, like I said earlier, uh, don't care for hedges because the idea is that they take maintenance with the pruning and all. And they do provide a bit of uh, formality to the garden because if it's a pruned hedge, uh, shaped hedge, then of course it's going to have rigid lines that nature doesn't provide. So of course, does a hedge have to be pruned? Not really. We may call that a screen. So Whether it's a hedge or a screen of some sort, one of the biggest troubles with using hedges as structures, uh, especially in our area, and most people I talk to have deer problems. Now, I have seen deer go for all kinds of plants. I don't know if there's any plant we could safely say is deer resistant anymore. Of course, you can find episodes on online at NewSouthernGarden.com. You can find our shows there about deer resistant plants, but it always comes with the... um, Uh, with the disclaimer that plants are like hungry teenagers. They'll eat anything if they're hungry enough. And so if you have certain hedge material that have evergreen leaves, remember, no matter the plant, if it has green leaves in the winter, it may be more prone for deer munching, particularly because in the winter, there's not as many plant material, as much leaf material available to plants. So it's that time of year that deer may eat certain things that they don't normally go for. So keep that in mind when you're doing hedges. If deer are a problem and you have had issues with them eating your evergreen plants, be sure to think about the deciduous woody plants. Uh, We've already talked about a few like the forsythia and the, um, the red twig dogwoods, but you can make wonderful um, divisions between space or hedges and screens with deciduous plants as well. One of my favorite plants to hedge with uh, in the deciduous world, again, these are plants that drop their leaves, is the uh, winter honeysuckle. Now, winter honeysuckle is really cool. It keeps its leaves even after a few frosts, but eventually they fall to the ground and you are left with sort of this uh, twiggy Uh, just naked stem look but they can get quite dense if you trim them and shape them uh, and you get the added benefit of maybe late February sometime into March depending on the weather you get these beautiful uh, white icy looking blossoms that smell really fragrant. It's a hard plant to find, but of course, uh, I do grow them at Lanier Nursery and Gardens and Flowery Branch, where you can find me throughout the week. But another plant that's quite easy to find, other than, say, for Scythia, uh, is going to be double file viburnum, or really any viburnum. Viburnums have a great winter structure, and the double file viburnum actually has horizontal branches. So you don't get a very tall tree, maybe uh, eight foot tall plant, but they may be 15 feet wide. And so that could be a great 
plant to use as a division between your space and somebody else's, or a plant to use to divide a space within your own space. So there are a number of plants that you can use as hedges or screens that aren't evergreen, uh, which again may help with the Uh, issue of deer munching them over winter because a lot of times the evergreen plants that deer are going for uh, they eat as far up as they can which may be four not quite five feet Uh, and then you've got this naked stem down at the bottom and sort of uh, green uh Briggly garland on top of these uh, eaten back stems. So I know those can look uh, quite quite uh, rough, and I just wanted to mention that you don't have to use evergreen plants everywhere to separate divisions in your property or division between yours and somebody else's. So be sure to use hedges and larger plants as a structure. They make a great backdrop, a great wall, if you will, to have fun, exciting plants in front that may bloom all summer and all spring long. Now, when we talk about the sky layer, I mentioned that using structures as structures, and there are two uh, relatively common structures we look at, uh, the arbor and the pergola. Now, a lot of times the arbor is describing a structure that has two or maybe four supporting posts and a slatted roof above that may be flat or it may be arched. It all depends on the style that you're looking for. But on the four-posted arbors, two sides of the uh, arbor may be closed with latticework or some kind of horizontal bars. Now, that... um, That kind of structure is a wonderful thing to have because you can plant vines up along the sides or the corners of these arbors, and that will add a bit of that sky level and also add some of the framing of your garden picture, if you will. But typically, an arbor is a small structure that maybe only a single bench or a small table with two chairs can fit under. Now, generally, when we use the word pergola, it's more substantial of a structure. It may have four or more supporting posts that are spaced wide enough to to fit a a full dining table or maybe an entire conversation set, maybe some, some chairs with a table and maybe a love seat, if you will. But all the sides of a pergola are usually open. They don't have to be, but definitely the roof is still quite slatted so that shafts of light uh, can penetrate through and even help hot air rise to escape. So you get a nice shady respite, if you will, and the pergola is is a wonderful thing to have when you're looking to use the sunlight in your landscape. Uh, What I mean is that by having these slats across the top of a pergola, uh, you will have different shadows and light patterns on the ground depending on how the sun is moving and where it's positioned in the sky and then of course seasonally as the sun uh, starts to drop in its position you will have a, a whole another entirely different look of that light and shadow play on the ground i do think that arbors and pergolas are great structures to have uh, they make great focal points um, of course an arbor can can make a division uh, between two areas it can it can uh, have a pathway running through it maybe no bench included and it can separate two different areas of your landscape so 
When you're thinking about filling that sky layer, don't just think about plants, but maybe think about actual structures that are going to provide some kind of interest and some kind of intrigue. Well, gang, we are coming to the end of our show today, but I would encourage you to take a look in your landscape this winter and apply that simple principle of design, uh, ground layer, human layer, and sky layer earth, human, sky. And if you can fill those layers with things that are in scale and interesting, you'll have a great looking garden all year long. Well, gang, for WRWH and New Southern Garden, my name's Nathan Wilson. Thanks for joining us, and I hope you stay well and grow well. We'll see you next week. Give it a go! Hey, thanks for joining us for this edition of Nathan Wilson's New Southern Garden Show. If you have a comment about today's program, you can reach out to Nathan by sending an email to grow at LanierNurseryGardens.com. Also get more information at NewSouthernGarden.com. Join us next Saturday on Local News Radio 93.9 FM and AM 1350 for Nathan Wilson's New Southern Garden Show.